Let your transformation within us continue. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, our scripture today is coming from John 20. John 20, the first 18 verses. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the feet. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. She did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, If you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Happy Resurrection Day. Today is the day that we celebrate that pivotal point in history where everyone who lived before Jesus looked forward to his coming. Everyone who has lived after Jesus looks back to his resurrection. Jesus is alive. I want to begin today to to describe the amazing wonder of what the resurrection means to us. What does it mean to an ordinary person? In the book of Acts, we read a phrase from the Jewish Sanhedrin leaders. Uh, This is in Acts 4.13. 
And uh, this is how they describe the apostles Peter and John as ordinary men. This was after the resurrection when Peter and John were were testifying and, and sharing Christ, and they got in trouble. They, they uh, got arrested, and they got taken before the Sanhedrin. <clears throat> um, so, here's how they described them. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that they had been with Jesus. These religious political leaders of Jesus' day honored the rich and the educated far more than the poor and the uneducated. Pride and self-righteousness gets in the way of loving our ordinary neighbors, so these men demeaned the uneducated, undistinguished, ordinary people around them. We might say that they suffered from celebrity worship, something that's still going on in our culture today. People, we just want to be noticed for our achievements more than our servanthood. Yet although these political religious leaders looked down on Peter and John, they were astonished at their courage. Because ordinaries like Peter and John just didn't speak up to the celebrities of their day. Peter and John were not ashamed of Christ. They were not ashamed of being an ordinary person because they had been with Jesus. They had received his extraordinary power to share Christ and make disciples. So what does it mean for you and I to be an ordinary person made in the image of God? It means that humans are created categorically distinct from animals. Humans are created and endowed with intellect and reason and will and logic, personality, self-consciousness, memory, and a physical body designed to glorify God. In addition to these attributes, we're given an eternal spirit brought to life by God's breath in us. We can rejoice in our ordinariness because we are fearfully and wonderfully made by our loving Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, C.S. Lewis once said, there are no ordinary people. (laughs) You've never talked to a mere mortal. But it is immortals whom with we joke and work and marry and snub and exploit. The point is that every person ever made was made to live forever and shares the image of God with every other person. This is a common denominator of all humanity. Now let's make the shift from just being human to being Christian, to being a Christ follower. Let's add our acceptance of Jesus as Savior and Lord. And when we accept Jesus' death and resurrection as payment for our sin, we are born again. (laughs) In addition to the image of God list that we just heard, we also receive the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, when I was a relatively new Christian, my, one of my first mentors in the faith, John Morin, I don't know if anybody remember him, but I was talking to him one day and say, well, I, I didn't get the patience part. And he said, oh, yes, you did. It, it came with all, all nine of them came in the same package. He says, the problem, Mark, is that the fruit of the Spirit is kind of like a muscle. If you don't use it, it atrophies. <laughs> 
Furthermore, we also received individual and corporate spiritual gifts, gifts of administration and craftsmanship and communication and discernment and encouragement and evangelism and faith and giving and healing and helps and hospitality. I am looking at a very empowered group here today, the body of Christ. It goes on to say, Intercession and tongues and interpretation and knowledge and leadership and mercy, miracles, prophecy, shepherding, teaching, wisdom. Wow! The resurrection really changed things. Why in the world would we settle for being a celebrity when we can be an extraordinary ordinary? (laughs) Born again, image of God. Because of the resurrection, you and I are not just ambitious goal-setters trying to make a name for ourselves. We are ambassadors of Christ. We know that everyone is made in the image of God. So we love our neighbors in grace and truth. Jesus died and rose for each one. So what happens, my friends, what happens when we spend time with Jesus? question before us today is not just what happens when we die, but what happens while we live here and now in the power of a resurrected Christ? Does the resurrection of Jesus have our attention today? Because whatever or whomever has our attention has some power and influence over us. Yeah. Let's see what we can learn from the passage that we read today from Mary, Peter, and John at the empty tomb. John's account of the resurrection here gives us six characters to pay attention to today. There are three ordinary humans. We know them as Mary, Peter, and John. There are two angels whose names are not mentioned, and then we have God himself in the person of Jesus We can easily relate to what Mary and Peter and John first felt, how they responded to the empty tomb. Surprise, wonder, grief, loss, a lack of understanding that Jesus must rise from the dead. They were trying to take it all in, but their senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, just were not enough to make sense of the resurrection. They needed something more. They needed eternal perspective, something beyond their current limits. Jesus had told them through the scriptures that the crucified Savior would rise from the dead after three days. But their little world did not have a category for bodily resurrection. It had never happened before. See, in the ancient world, some people held a view of spiritual life after death, but not bodily resurrection. Author N.T. Wright, in his book, Surprised by Hope, explains, Within this world, the word resurrection in its Greek, Latin, or other equivalents was never used to mean life after death. Resurrection was used to mean bodily life after whatever sort of life after death there might be. Resurrection meant bodies. It's important for us to understand that to the people of this time, bodily resurrection was not just unexpected, it was impossible. When an early Christian who, who was following Jesus after this, when, when they said that Jesus was resurrected, they did not mean that his soul left his body to go to heaven. 
They meant that his physical body was walking, talking, and even eating again after his death. This was the news of amazing grace. Jesus had defeated Satan, and death had lost its sting. Accepting this truth, believing this good news, meant a whole new worldview for these new believers, these people of faith. The fear of death was gone because of the bodily resurrection of Jesus. But there, standing at the empty tomb, Mary, Peter, and John, they, they didn't have acceptance, belief, or a new worldview yet. They were still stunned by their loss. Mary saw the empty tomb first, went to tell Peter and John, and after hearing from Mary that the tomb was open, the body of Jesus was missing, Peter and John ran to the tomb. Peter went in the tomb first and didn't know what to make of it. The uniqueness of it all certainly had to make him question, what is happening here? Yeah, then, then John went in, and when he saw the burial clothes lying without a body, we read that he saw and believed. But what did he believe? John didn't understand it all either yet. But he was making room for possibilities for a bodily resurrection. Mary's tears of grief still had a purpose. When Peter and John left the tomb to return home, Mary stayed. She stayed to mourn her loss. She still wanted the body of Jesus back so she could finish her burial ritual. Even when she saw two gleaming white angels sitting in the tomb, angels that can appear and disappear, angels that weren't there just a minute ago, she asked them for the body of Jesus. Why? Because dead bodies just don't get up and walk away. Mary then mistakes Jesus for the gardener because he must have looked like a gardener. Like everyone in her day, she had a mental category for a gardener, but not for a resurrected body. When Jesus called her by name, she recognized him, full of wonder and astonishment. She saw what was hidden to her before, and she calls him Rabboni, teacher. In the blink of an eye, Mary's world, her eternal perspective got a whole lot bigger. Jesus was alive. Jesus' first words to Mary are a two-part question. Woman, why are you crying? And who is it that you are looking for? This two-part question requires a response from Mary and allows her to express her grief, but it also makes her think about the person of Jesus instead of just the missing body. When Jesus speaks next, it's just one word, her name, Mary. A name that reveals a friendship and a divine love for her. The ordinary Mary that loved her Lord was witnessing and experiencing an extraordinary breakthrough. Her faith was growing in leaps and bounds. Jesus was making a new category of understanding for her. Now, we have to guess that Mary made some kind of move to touch Jesus because he tells her, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Jesus then gives Mary instructions to go tell his brothers, his disciples, that he was returning to the Father. And then he uses this very personal language. I am returning to my Father and your Father. 
to my God and your God. This account of the resurrection gives us a picture of how followers of Jesus had to make room in their hearts and their minds for something so extraordinary that it seemed impossible. You and I sometimes face things that seem impossible. We have to wonder, what's going to happen next? I think there's a fair amount of that going on in the uncertainty of the world today. What is going to happen next? Like us, the first Christ followers lived in their own little worlds of daily routine and cultural influence. They, they had to make room for a physical, mental, emotional, moral, spiritual category of a risen Lord. They were never the same. They, they changed. We're here today because they were changed by the resurrection and, and they followed the will of Jesus. Jesus built his church through them and he's still building it through us today. Amen? So what changed for them because of the resurrection? Well, prior to the resurrection, the disciples lived in a temporary physical world of life and death. But after the resurrection, they lived in an eternal world of faith and hope and love. It changed how they thought. Before, they watched Jesus do miracles with the authority of God, and they belonged to him. But after his death and resurrection, they believed in him. And they followed his call to baptize and disciple the world. It changed what they did. After his resurrection, Jesus had the disciples' full attention. And they could each say with Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, Galatians 2.20. These amazing, ordinary images of God accepted the extraordinary power of Christ to live by faith instead of sight, and it changed how they loved and how they lived. So as we apply this message to our lives and, and routines, we can hear Jesus asking each of us the same questions that he asked Mary that day. To her, he said, woman, why are you crying? To us, he might say, what are your tears for? The first question makes, or, uh, yeah, makes us take a personal inventory of our own pain, our own suffering. What are we crying for? Can we really name what we are so upset about sometimes? Perhaps we are grieving a loss, which is important and appropriate. <laughs> but perhaps we're just furiously trying to control things that we don't understand and it has us very upset. The second question, who are you looking for? It makes us identify who has our attention. <clears throat> it's been said that when the, the people who invented the Internet and all of the devices that we use and whatnot, when, when they're asked, what, what are you really marketing? What is it that you really want? What's your goal in all of this? Pretty universally, they say, attention. We want everybody's attention. When we hear Jesus speak our name, we start to see what we could not see before. 
Mary, Peter, and John were transformed just like we are, but transformation comes with struggles for them and for us. The resurrection gave them a new attention span for spending time with Jesus. Jesus was not a dead leader or a distant unknown power. He was alive and with them every day. They didn't have all the answers, but they had Jesus and they had each other. They saw themselves as broken people in a broken world, but with a loving, faithful, resurrected God. Their story is our story, too. Even in our brokenness, Jesus calls our name, gets our attention away from the distractions of the world to remind us that we were made in his image, full of his spirit, gifted with gifts to love the broken world that he loves. In my own journey of faith, I have to confess that my world is still pretty small. (laughs) I live in my little world, my routines, my habits. I can get distracted by things that I can't control, but then I can go back to the empty tomb and refocus my attention. I'm in awe of my risen Savior. I'm surrendered to his lordship, and yet I need to remember that my life is not my own. It belongs body and soul to Jesus. His will is my will, and I need not fear the circumstances that I face. Brothers and sisters in Christ, while we yet live and breathe on earth, we are still God's agents of grace and truth in the world. Living by faith instead of sight means that we have to be open to whatever opportunity comes next, whatever possibility that God puts before us. Some things seem impossible. Some things need a breakthrough. Author Stephen Covey once said that most breakthroughs are really break-withs. You think about Mary Magdalene and her life. When she first met Jesus, she had to break with her past in order to accept and follow him. When she met him there in the garden at the empty tomb, she had to break with her limits, her small world, in order to see him and accept him and move on. What might we need to break with in order to experience a breakthrough with Jesus again today? Our resurrected Lord specializes in restoring the brokenhearted. So as we worship today, we can cast all of our care upon him, Fears, worries, guilt, failures, doubts, habits, broken relationships, everything. He calls us by name. We can recognize a resurrected Jesus and enter into his love. We're restored again into eternal perspective. This is an exciting time to live as a Christian. We live in the resurrection of Christ because there is so much uncertainty in the world. You know, I'm involved in um, three small groups right now that meet weekly or biweekly for Bible study and fellowship and prayer. And um, yeah, I may be um, involved here now uh, pretty soon in another group, a small group of um, four men who want to... Uh, do a discover your gifts kind of thing, spiritual gifts inventory. Uh, 
I'm part of these things um, because I need the body of Christ. Um, I hear lots of prayer and testimony of faith as we just serve the Lord together. Um, as we, yeah, reach out to share the certainty of faith in an uncertain world. This is what people are hungering for. So what are our limits and what are our possibilities? What's God going to do next? What's he calling us to do? We are the church, and it's still being built through him. Why would anybody settle for a celebrity when we can be an ordinary made in the image of God. Jesus does the impossible. And he changes everything. We are a Christ-centered, grace-driven, lovingly intrusive, redemptive community of believers. So hear the words of Jesus as he calls you by name today. And he says, as he said to the disciples, I am returning to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Jesus is alive. What now? Father, as we stand here at the empty tomb, we're filled with gratitude. We thank you for your forgiveness, for the price that you paid on the cross, Lord. We thank you for the resurrection, Lord. We thank you for your life in us, Lord, and we thank you that you're not done with us yet. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right. It is time to sing. 388... Christ the Lord is risen today.